morning. How you doing this morning? Aren't you loving this weather? Some of you just have not woken up to spring yet. You are not loving this weather. I am loving it. You know, you know why? This is the time of the year where God designated that motorcycles come out. And so uh, for those, all of you that have your motorcycles, get them revved up, get them ready. I need to get mine out. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. Well, I am so glad to see you all. Happy Sunday. Yay. All right. We got to spike the coffee with a little uh, extra Bustelo or something. All right. So we've been on a series the last couple of weeks entitled Life Behind the Scenes. Life Behind the Scenes. And look, what we've learned over the last several weeks has been encouraging, has been empowering. It's really revealing to us life on a whole different spectrum. The truth is that life is more than what you see. Life is more than what you see. There's something that God is doing, and for some of us, is wanting to reveal to us behind the scenes. But it really takes understanding how God works in the unseen parts of your life. I've got news for you. Life is more real than what you feel, what you touch, and what you see with your physical eyes. It's so much more than that. So just quickly to recap, we learned that who you are is not what you see. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 says this, May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Watch how God puts you together. Put you together spirit, soul, and body. I just want to stop right there because this is an important point because God is interested in working in every part of your entire being. He wants you to excel in every part of your being. The question is, how? I'm so glad you asked that question. It begins with knowing this, that you have a new identity, that you have a new identity. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, do I have anyone here today? Anyone here today? Anyone? Got a few anyones? Well, listen, whether you know Christ or you don't, there's good news because God wants to reveal a new you. It's why he sent Jesus. But it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, what God sees in you matters most, but you and I must behold it. We must behold it. And the key to that is this, that you have to, you and I need to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, of the life that now is alive in us. If you're a child of God, if you don't know Christ, good news for you. God has something new for you. But you got to understand that we have to behold, we have to grow and mature and dig into the real you, the real me, the real who we've been created to be. And last week we learned that you and I have a new set of eyes. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 17 through 19 puts it this way. It says, I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Watch what God wants for you, a spirit of wisdom and revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. You know, that tells us something there. What it tells us is that if you want direction for your life, it starts 
with Him. A knowledge of Him. Not a knowledge of your feelings, not a knowledge of your wants, not a knowledge of what looks good. It's a knowledge of God. In verse 18, it goes on to say, And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people. Watch verse 19. And so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. I just want to stop right there because what we see here is this, that with these new set of eyes, we have the ability to tap into the power of God that is available unto us. I'm going to say that again. Listen, we have the ability to see according to a revelation of God's word, the power of God at work for us. You might feel weak, that's a lie. You might feel like you are not qualified, that's a lie. You might feel like you're lacking something, that's a lie. In Christ, you have everything. Listen, today I'd like to talk to you about what I like to call the sixth sense. It's no secret. If, you really, if we're really honest with ourselves, it's no secret that by and large, we experience life according to our senses. Think about that. Every day, we rely upon our eyes to see where we're going. True? True, right? Every day, we rely upon our ears to hear all that is around us, right? True? True, right? Every day, we touch to feel textures, to, to uh, uh, respond to this world, to see what's around us. True? And we rely on taste, some of us more than others, right, to savor what we ingest, right? True? True, right? And we rely on our ability to smell, to detect the aromas around us, to, you know, sense what's happening. Listen, these senses help us respond to life, to enjoy foods and our surroundings, and even to have an awareness of both dangers and that which is pleasurable, But unfortunately, these senses also have the power to limit us by encouraging our reliance upon what they reveal. I want you to think about that for a moment. Because as we've learned over these last couple of weeks, there's more to you than what you see. There exists another realm to our senses that we can trust and rely upon in order to see beyond our eyes, hear beyond what this world tells us, reach beyond our physical touch, and know life at a higher plane. And that is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. Today I really want to talk to you about how the wisdom of God is your greatest sense. The wisdom of God is the greatest thing that God has deposited in you and made available to you and I. So let's take a look at God's wisdom for a bit. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 13 through 16. I want to point something out before we read this while you're going there, that this book was written by a guy named Solomon. And you know, Ecclesiastes, there's a lot of wisdom there, but if you really dig into it, what you'll see is that Solomon is lamenting all the mistakes he's made. Ecclesiastes is a real sad book. Because Solomon 
is at the tail end of his life looking back and going, man, I started off with God and then I deviated after all these other foreign gods. I gave in to my selfish desires for women, for acquiring knowledge, for acquiring possessions. And so he's lamenting, but in his lament, he's also reflecting upon that which was most important, the wisdom of God. In Ecclesiastes 9, verse 13, he says, I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. Now think about this. The Bible says that Solomon received the wisdom of God. And he had more wisdom than any other man second to Jesus on this earth. And so the reason why I bring that up is because what we're about to read, Solomon says, this greatly impressed me. This greatly impressed me about wisdom. In other words, this guy knows everything there is according to the wisdom of God, and yet there's something else that he paid attention to that greatly impressed him. Verse 14, he says, There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. Now there lived in that city a man, poor but wise, and he saved this city by his wisdom. But nobody remembered that poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength. But the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are no longer heeded. I want you to know that God's wisdom is your greatest strength. The wisdom of God is greater, scripture says, than silver and gold. It's the most important thing. In the face of a powerful king and his army, these people found themselves surrounded and under siege. You know what that means? There was nowhere for them to go. There was no way out. They were done. It was over. And while they're in the middle of this siege, under siege, while they're surrounded and probably being starved out, waiting, their enemies waiting for them to finally give in or die within those walls. The Bible says that there's a man who's poor and yet he's really rich. This man had wisdom. And notice what the scripture says, that by his wisdom, he delivered them. And Solomon says, ah, here's something very important. Here's something that should impress and should be impressed upon our hearts, each and every one of us. He says, wisdom is greater than strength. You know why that's an important point? Because many times we put great emphasis and confidence on our own strength. We depend upon our own reasoning. We approach life from our standpoint. You ever said this? I got this. I got this. I got this. You know what that's called? Pride. Pride. Listen, 
If God's wisdom is greater than silver and gold, if God's wisdom is greater than anything that we can pursue, if God's wisdom is greater than any idea that you and I can come up with, you think you got a good idea? Check if it's a God idea first. Check if it's a God idea. Don't go by what somebody told you. Don't go by a license plate that you saw. Don't go by a fortune cookie. Don't go by, uh, you guys remember back in the days, Walter Mercado? You Hispanic guys, right? On, on the Spanish channel, this guy was the weirdest dude. And he would talk about horoscopes and all that other stuff. And it, listen, if it's not the word of God, it is not the truth. If it's not the wisdom of God, it's not the truth. And so like these people, we must be careful because the answer was among them. They've been delivered from their captors, but then what, you know what they did with the wisdom of this, this man who was among them? They set it aside. They disregarded it. And if we're not careful, we can disregard the wisdom of God based upon our own pursuit and our belief in our own strength. So God's wisdom is our greatest strength. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That word fear there simply means reverent respect. That's all it means. Reverent respect. And so watch this. If you were to ask people today, where does wisdom come from? You'd get responses like, it comes with experience. The older you are, the wiser you are. From learning from my mistakes. Right? The pursuit of higher learning. Education, I mean, that list can go on and on. Listen, you can buy education. You can learn things by experience along the journey of life. But wisdom, wisdom is God's gift to you. Wisdom is a gift. Wisdom is not anything that you can earn from God. Wisdom is something that we must partake of, that we must seek, that we must desire. See, the truth is that you and I have the inside scoop to life because you have Christ alive in you. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 and 31 says. It says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. I want you to think about that. Wisdom is not a lofty idea. Wisdom is not a higher plane of thinking. Wisdom is the person of Jesus Christ who has joined himself to you and I. And so the scripture tells us that God made him to be wisdom itself. And watch God's wisdom. Check out how wise God is. Mankind drops the ball. He creates us in his image We've got it all together. Man, you had it going on. And then sin enters the equation. And men fall short. The thing about it is, we committed the crime, so we were the ones that were supposed to do the time. And God says, none of them can satisfy my judgment. None of them can satisfy my wrath. And so, ah, I know what I'll do. I'll become like one of them. I'll live among them without sin. And then I'll pay the price with my own life 
on their behalf and pay the penalty for them. That way, there's a perfect sacrifice that satisfies my wrath and absolves them of guilt. Sets them free, declares them righteous. So now that you understand that, let me read this to you again. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, the scripture says, if you want to boast, boast only in the Lord. So get this. Wisdom has been made known to you and I. It lives in you. He's with you always. See, you have all the wisdom you need because you have Christ. You have all the wisdom you need because you have Christ. And so in the Bible, it tells us of a man named Elijah. Elisha, who was God's appointed prophet, right? And this guy was chosen and empowered by God to speak and act on his behalf. And Elisha led an extraordinary life. He performed great miracles. He spoke with authority from God. And he had great insight from God into many things. Simply put, he had wisdom. And one day, during a time of war against the people of Israel, the king of Syria, another version of the Bible, calls him the king of Aram, which was in Syria. This king was making plans to utterly destroy the people of Israel. That was his plan. I'm going to destroy the people of Israel. And he concocts this amazing plan. But let's see how God's wisdom worked to the advantage of his people. And I want you to understand that this doesn't just work for the people of Israel. It works for you and I. And so 2 Kings chapter 6, starting at verse 8, says, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers... He said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. So he's concealing his plan. And he's, 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 he's in cahoots with his inner circle. And he's talking with them. Now watch verse 9. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel. In other words, Elisha receives wisdom from God as to what's about to happen. And so it says, beware of passing that place, he tells the Israelite king, because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. So every time this Syrian king had changed his plans to sneak up on the Israelites, God showed Elisha. And Elisha went and warned the king of Israel. And thus, the people of Israel were delivered consistently. And so verse 11 says, This enraged the king of Aram. And he summoned his officers and demanded them, demanded of them, Tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. 
they went by night and surrounded the city. So get this picture. The king sends an entire army to go get one guy. He pulls no punches. He pulls all the stops out. I've got my chariots. I've got my horses. I've got my best warriors. Let's go get this guy, Elisha, in Dothan. Verse 15, and when the servant of the man of God got up, that just simply means Elijah's right-hand man, his second-in-command, his, his helper, the guy that, he, that, that, that was, went with him wherever he went. So it says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Watch his response. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Listen to Elisha's response. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now get this picture. It's Elisha and his second in command, his guy named Gehazi. And they are surrounded. They've surrounded the whole city for this one guy. And Gehazi, he's just a part of it now. And Gehazi's saying, we're done. It's over. And Elisha says, dude, greater are those around us than them. And I imagine Gehazi going, is this guy on something? What is he seeing that I don't see? Verse 17, and Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Now, you got to really consider what's happening here. What do we learn from this? Well, one thing that we learn is that God's wisdom gives us special insight. God's wisdom gives us special insight. Listen to Proverbs 19.8. He who gains wisdom and good sense loves, preserves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good and prosper. Now, you might find yourself in what seems like the worst of circumstances at times, but you need to open your eyes and see that the, ho- the heavenly hosts of God are all around you, that you are not alone, you are not let down, you cannot fail with God who is with you. The scripture says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The scripture says that if God be for you and he is, who can be against you? And so listen, only the wisdom of God can address the one part of our being that is resistant to change. You know what that part is? This mind right here. This soul. See, the, the life of, of serving God is about this mind catching up to what God has already done in this spirit. And many times what we do is we try to live by this flesh, these senses. God says, no, 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 no. Let me show you what I'm really doing behind the scenes. God's wisdom gives you that insight. I love what the scripture says about wisdom. It says that wisdom preserves the soul. 
that when we seek the wisdom of God, that when we gain the wisdom of God and the knowledge, the good sense that it gives us, that it's like us, ourselves, nourishing and enlightening our soul. Why? Because it's the wisdom of God at work through you. What else do we learn from this story? It's that God's wisdom provides us protection. Proverbs 4, 6 puts it this way. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Listen, it doesn't have to make sense. You just have to trust God. Do you know that God says in his word, my ways are natural ways. My thoughts are natural thoughts, right? He says that his ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. Unfortunately, if we're not careful, what we try to do is fit God into our thinking. And that's like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. It does not fit. Stop trying to fit God into your life. Instead, fit into what God is showing you, what God's wisdom is revealing. Let him lead you and guide you. And God's wisdom will protect you. God's wisdom will protect you. It will. And what else do we learn from this? That God's wisdom makes a way for us when we see no way. You know, um, there is a, there, there is a, I was reading an article a while back. Um, there's a place called uh, Glacier Bay, somewhere out in uh, Alaska, I think it is, or something like that. And I was reading this article from this guy, and he was talking about how he was so excited to go out to uh, Glacier Bay and, and to see these huge glaciers that just kind of just float. And they're moving, and he and when he gets there, he was on a cruise, and when he gets there, he's looking at these glaciers, and he says he was completely unimpressed. He says, they just sat there. Nothing happened. And he says he was disappointed. Now, this guy's out in the Midwest, and then he begins to look at the Grand Canyon. He lives somewhere in that region. And he came across a piece of information that talks about how those canyons were carved out. And according to science, what they say is that these glaciers at one time were literally passing through this land. The thing about these glaciers is this. While they look like they're still and not moving, what you don't realize is that they are so huge And they are so powerful and they are so massive that while they look still, what they're really doing is chipping away at everything around them and forging a new path, creating new lands. And if you go to the Grand Canyon, I've never had the privilege one day, I hope to go with a bunch of you on some motorcycles, right? But but I would love to see it. But the thing about it is that the beauty that these glaciers leave behind What they've created, it it, it leaves us with a testament of God's wisdom at work. The scripture says that when we look at nature, that it attests to the goodness, to who God is, to his massive power. Listen, the wisdom of God is like these glaciers. It might look like he's not doing anything. It might look 
like nothing's happening. But man, you better trust the wisdom of God that it's forging a path where you don't see it and it's creating beauty how you've never imagined it. And so for the next couple of moments that I have, I want to share with you a couple of points on accessing wisdom for your life. Because see, I think one thing that we can all agree is that, man, the wisdom of God is valuable. I think we can all agree that we need the wisdom of God, that we need wisdom beyond what we call wisdom, right? And that the wisdom of God is at work behind the scenes of our life. But I want to encourage you with a few things, and I want to take you to scripture on them. I want to start off by saying to you, don't seek answers. Seek God. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Many times what we think is wisdom is simply an answer to a situation that we're facing. Listen closely. When you're seeking wisdom, just understand that you're not seeking a quick fix. You're seeking God. Jeremiah chapter 9 verses 23 and 24 puts it this way. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom and the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have understanding, listen closely, to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. Listen to what God says. You're seeking wisdom, you're seeking riches, you're seeking all these other things. Let your boast be in this one thing, that you're seeking me, he says. That you're seeking me. The search for wisdom is a search for God. And a key to accessing the wisdom of God and its power To elevate us comes with one thing, humility. Let me tell you what humility isn't. Humility is not piousness. You ever see somebody who goes, oh, you know, just little old me. No, no, you know, I'm just so humble. You know, no, no, I I couldn't receive that from you. No, no, it's okay. You know, I'll just stay right here in my little plot of life. That's not humility. That's pride. Oh, I'm just just shy. I'm just, you know, this little quiet person. That's pride. That's you elevating yourself and saying, no, no, I, 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 I. That's pride. That's pride. Listen, humility is not piousness. You know what humility is? Humility is confidence that wisdom only comes from God. Humility is confidence in God. It's confidence in God. And so what else do I want to encourage you with here? If you're going to access wisdom for life, you've got to know that wisdom is calling out to you. Follow me for a moment and let's learn something from the book of Proverbs. Chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. It says, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. I want you to see how wisdom calls out to us. Notice that it tells us that wisdom calls out aloud. 
that she raises her voice in the public square. Listen, the wisdom of God is not secret. No, the wisdom of God, it calls out loudly is what the scripture says. God's wisdom is available. It's present. It cries out. You know, you, you know when you raise your voice, what you're attempting to do? To be heard. And here's what we see about God's wisdom, that God wants his wisdom to be heard. But watch where. We learn something from this in our lives. It says that wisdom raises her voice in the public square. The public square there, what it refers to is a central place of meeting. It's really talking about a crossroads where all roads meet and where everyone gathers. You know what this speaks of? The place of decision. Every one of us face decisions, little decisions, big decisions, right? Decisions uh, for the future, decisions for now, decisions regarding letting go of the past or moving on from something. We all face decisions. You face decisions with your job. You face decisions with your children. You you face decisions with your family. You face decisions about your career. You face decisions about your future. You face decisions about uh, uh, your fellow man, about situations that come about you, about your finances, about your relationship with God, about serving God. We all face decisions. And what I want you to see is that it's in that very place that God stands right in the middle and he says, my word is available to you. I have wisdom for your marriage. I have wisdom for your finances. I have wisdom for your self-perception. I have wisdom for your identity. I have wisdom for your future. I have wisdom for your career. I have wisdom for your home. I have wisdom for your children. It's available. Watch where else wisdom cries out. It says on top of the wall. Now, what you might not know is that what it's referring to is the place where what was known as a watchman would sound the alarm in times of uproar and trouble approaching. So the, 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 top, of the, the top of the wall is where a particular person, would they were assigned a post. And this person would stand there and watch all that was surrounding the city and all within. And what this person would do is whenever there was danger or something was going on that required attention, this person was so high above the level of noise of everyone else that when he or she would cry out, it would get the attention of everyone in the city. And he would raise an alarm so that everyone could pay attention to what was approaching. Listen, this, uh, this, this, particular, uh, uh, this particular position in the wall, this watchman was there for one purpose above all. To sound about when it came to danger. And let me say this to you. In places of great trouble, the wisdom of God is there. You need to think about that. We need to think about that. Because it's in those places where we face trouble that we oftentimes are moved by that trouble. We create stories in our heart, in our mind. We begin to believe things that are inconsistent with God's word. We begin to fret. We get anxious. We get afraid. 
we cower, we run, we cave in. And what I want you to see is that the scriptures are revealing to us that God's wisdom is calling out louder than the fears that scream at your heart. The wisdom of God. And then the other thing that we see here is at the city gate. The city gate was the place where people commonly sought out opportunities for exchange in what was known as the marketplace. So when you would walk into the marketplace, when you would walk into the city, the first thing you would encounter was the city gate. And as you walked through the gate, the very first thing you would find was this huge place of commerce. And people would go there seeking an opportunity. Let's make a deal. I'll give you two turtle doves. You give me a lamb. I'll give you this much amount of uh, pieces of silver and you give me that much amount of food. You give me that much amount of grain. So people went there seeking opportunity. And what I want you to see is that God's wisdom is there already for you in the place of opportunity. The question is, are you paying attention? Are we seeking the wisdom of God in every opportunity? You know, uh, there is a... uh, I wish I would have put up a picture of it, but there is, I think at some point I've shared this, but there is a a statue that was discovered many, many years ago. It's actually called the Opportunity Statue. And what you see in this statue itself is that it's a man running forward, but as he's advancing forward, what you see is that at the front of his head, there's hair, and then at the back, there's nothing. And the reason why it's called the opportunity statue is because what it depicts is that as long as opportunity is coming towards you, you have something to grab onto. You can take hold of the opportunity, but once that opportunity passes you, there's nothing for you to take a hold of. What am I saying to you? That the wisdom of God reveals opportunities to you and I. And sometimes we miss those opportunities. It's not because God isn't giving it to us. It's because we cower to our fears. We believe we can't. We make excuses. And what we need to see is that the wisdom of God brings opportunity to you and I. And so God's wisdom is present to help us with our decisions. It's present to help us in trouble. It's present to carry us into great opportunities. And it literally cries out loudly, which leads into our next point. If you're going to access the wisdom of God, it requires more than listening. More than listening. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Proverbs chapter 1 verses 1 through 6 says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Now watch what he says about the Proverbs, about these writings. He he says, they're for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen And add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Listen, God's wisdom serves us best when our intentions go beyond a quick fix. I started touching on this and I just want to dig into that a little bit more. Oftentimes, we find ourselves faced with something where we need an answer. And what we say is, God, I need your wisdom. Wait, it's been present the whole time. 
So at this point, now is when I want your wisdom? Now is when I need a revelation of your wisdom? No, ladies and gentlemen, what we see here is that the wisdom of God is gradual and progressive. It's at work. It's leading. It's guiding. It's giving us discernment. But that is a lifestyle. It's not in the moment. Notice that the wise listen. And watch what happens after they listen. Watch what happens. Then they add to their learning. And watch what the discerning do. The discerning, they get guidance. So it's one thing to see, ah, this is the reason why I feel the way that I feel. This is the reason why I act in uncontrollable anger. Well, good for you. So now we've discerned what we see. Now we discern what the problem is, but watch what wisdom does when it's a lifestyle. Not only does it give us discernment, but then it gives us guidance. Now that you know this, here's how you don't go there again. Here's how you make the turn. You know, you remember back in those days before we had GPSs? Some of you can't remember that. Jeez. Wow, we have become so dependent upon our phones and technology. Before Garmin's, before all that, you know what we had? MapQuest. No, I'm I'm not not going back to maps. I'm not going to maps yet. I wasn't driving in those days. Well, maybe I was, I don't know. Anyway, but you know, me and my wife, uh, my wife has this thing where she loves to take long, 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 long drives like long let's go to California great let's drive we haven't done that one yet and we never will not driving but there were times where you know we would drive and she would print out my wife is very organized very detailed so she would print out all these instructions from MapQuest or whatever was the, the site at that time and in and, and Washington, that Washington, Virginia area is a very tricky area because you got that loop where you get off 95 into 495 and all this other stuff. And so I remember we were driving down to Florida once, and while we were driving, um, she's saying, Hun, once, you, once we get to this exit, you need to start looking for this exit because we're going to get off here. And I'm like, babe, I know where I'm going. I got it. It's 95 straight down. Got it. She goes, no, but 495, and I'm like, I got it, I got it. Well, guess what happens? We're driving, and she's busy looking at butterflies and trees, right? And she's already told me like 20 times, right? And, and, and the thing about it is that I saw the exit, and I missed my turn. And then to make it worse, I mean, we would have got there eventually, But to make it worse, you know what I kept saying? I know what I'm doing. I got it. I got it. I know what I'm doing. We're going to get there. I got it. I know. I know. And then we get stuck in traffic for like four hours. I know. I got it. I got it. I want to share that with you because I heard what she said, but I didn't adhere to the wisdom. And I want you to see something that Wisdom really does require more than listening. Let me break that down a little bit more personal. Wisdom is so much more than hearing about God. 
Gaining wisdom is so much more than just listening to some Christian songs. Wisdom is so much more than claiming a title known as Christian in this world today. Wisdom is so much more than opening your Bible like I used to do, just speak to me, God, and put your finger and read something and go, okay, God, there's wisdom here, but I don't understand what this says. You know what I did one time many years ago? We were in Bible college, me and my wife, and, and we, were, we were taking a class on hermeneutics. Uh, that's just a fancy word for, you know, a, a, a manner in which to study and pull out the, the you know, the content, the, re- the true meaning in the word, how to interpret it. And, and uh, we start talking about this particular scripture where it talks about Saul and how he went into the cave and he committed ablution. And I got real spiritual, right? Because I, I said, oh, you know, this is like a real spiritual situation. And all it meant was that Paul was in a cave doing number two. That's all it meant. That's what it means. Why why did I share that with you? Because the wisdom of God takes more than just appearing spiritual or listening according to your spiritual ears. The wisdom of God requires really understanding the word and allowing it to guide us. Adding to our learning beyond what we know. And so wisdom is more than an answer to our current circumstances. Wisdom is an incremental process of seeking and desiring growth and guidance and application and discernment for the entirety of your life. It's not just for right now in this moment. Wisdom comes with counsel. I'm going to say that again. Wisdom comes with counsel. Listen to Proverbs 24 verse 6. For by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Listen, it's appropriate to seek the counsel of people. It's appropriate. But before you do, ask yourself this question. Are they wise? Here's what that question really speaks to. Are they people that are wise with the wisdom of God? Forget about age. Forget about their life experience. Listen, can I I give you a piece of advice? Don't talk to people that speak to you all about their mistakes. Don't. Don't. Because what you'll get is simply a lot of hurt. See, wisdom is attained in one place, in one place only. It's not by your education. It's not by your life experience. It's not by the mistakes you've made. It's not by how much you know from Google and Wikipedia and all that other stuff. Wisdom comes from one place, a personal, intimate relationship with God. And if you are going to seek godly counsel, here's what that means according to the scripture. We're seeking it from people that are drawing it from the wisdom of God. See, a good way to judge wise counsel is by the fruit in the lives of the people that you're seeking wisdom from. Jesus said this. He says, you shall know a tree by its fruit. He says, will a man gather grapes from thorn bushes? So I want you to get the principle here that wisdom can only come from the vine that is Jesus Christ. 
You can't go to people who are living ungodly. You can't go to people who've made all these mistakes and are saying, let me teach you from my mistakes. No. Wisdom is drawn from Christ and Christ alone. And so there are plenty of people out there that can tell you what God's word says about the decisions you face. But see, wise counsel flows out of a life lived in application and accordance to God's counsel. So get this. You know how you could judge a wise person? Listen to them and watch their lives. Listen and watch. Does what they say match what they do? And you know, the thing about judging wisdom is this. It takes time. Listen, don't go by what people tell you with the eloquence of their words. Can I put it to you this way? Don't even trust me. Don't go by what I tell you. Go back to the word. And if I drop the ball, then here's what I say to you openly, and this is on video and everything. Hold me accountable. Hold me accountable. I've put measures in place where at any given point, if I deviate from this, I can be removed. I'm okay with that. Because you know why? I'd I'd much rather just follow the wisdom of God. Follow the wisdom of God. And the last point here that I want to leave you with tonight is that wisdom will never lead you wrong. Listen to what Hosea chapter 14 verse 9 says. Who is wise? Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. Sometimes we can make the mistake of judging what is wise by what feels right instead of what is right. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes we judge what is wise by what feels right instead of what is right. What we see here in this scripture is this, that the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. And what we see here is this, that the wise one is the one that realizes it's better to do what's right than what feels right. It's better to do it God's way instead of what I think is the best way, my way. So if it looks good, it feels good and sounds good, but it's not right in the Lord's eyes, let me say this to you. Stop. Stop. You're about to miss the turn. You're about to miss where God is leading. If what you're seeking is the comfort of people, if what you're seeking is a man or a woman, if what you're seeking is money at the expense of the wisdom of God, if what you're seeking is your own desires, your own plan, what everybody else is saying is the right thing, what this world is dictating is the right way, if it violates the word of God, stop. You're about to miss the turn. You're about to end up stuck somewhere. You're about to end up lost in life. You know what's the sad thing? We end up going through to, to Florida and, and the whole time after we're stuck, I'm think my wife not one time said this to me. She, she didn't say, I told you so. She just simply stood quiet. But you know what I learned that day? Man, 
She was right the whole time. And I knew it. You know why? Because she had the instructions. Many times, without realizing it, we have the instruction of God. And instead what we do is we do what's wrong because we're prideful. We do what's wrong. Let me put it to you this way. Just trust the GPS, God's plan of salvation. Just trust the GPS, God's plan of salvation. Just let him lead you. Trust his way. I know it's hard. I know I don't want to make that decision because, man, I'm going to have to give this up. I know that it's hard to look to the wisdom of God because, man, I got it all together and I'm just so holy and righteous. Stop. Wisdom is not operating at that moment when we are doing what's wrong. And justifying it by saying, but God loves me and his grace covers me. That's error. Instead, we have to remember this, that God's wisdom will never lead us wrong. So let's do what's right. Because it will lead us in the way of wisdom. Amen? Let's stand here today. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word, which is truth. It is alive and active and powerful. We thank you, Father, for wisdom and its perfect ways. Today, Lord, we trust that your wisdom is working on behalf of our lives, that it's leading and guiding us, that it's speaking to us. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that wisdom never leaves us and never forsakes us because it's Christ in us. Lord, I thank you for each and every person here today, Lord. Wherever we may be, Lord, in our lives, Lord, there's wisdom available. I pray, Lord, that your wisdom would be revealed in our hearts, in our minds, Lord, and that it would uh, uplift us and transform us and pave the new path that's ahead of us, Lord. Hey, if there's anyone here that you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I just want you to consider this, that the wisest thing you could do is put your trust in God. If you believe that today and you believe that God loves you, and that he's paid the price for your sin, the wisest thing that God did, he became like you and died the death to, to pay the penalty that was yours and mine so that we could have his life. I want, you, I want you to join us and pray with us this. Those of you online, feel free to join us as well. Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for me. Today I declare that you're my Lord and Savior and that you're my God. And from this day forward, I'm trusting in you, your wisdom, and your ways. If you prayed that for the very first time, we celebrate what God is doing in your life. We thank God for his life in you at work now and his wisdom. Don't leave here without telling us what the decision you've made. Now, Father, we leave here thanking you for all. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you again next Sunday.